Finally, I'm back. You're back. Yes, Adam. Yes. Uh, like I was already spoke, so <laughs> it's weird. Great Match Generator's back on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, and we didn't really formally introduce ourselves, and I made a new logo. I didn't make the logo. I paid somebody on five or ten bucks. Um, behind the scenes, behind the scenes, um, I just I, I just wanted to roll this out the best way I possibly could, you know, Matt was very gracious. Shout out to Matt. Um, and uh, letting me find a new co-host for this. And it, it was – and I had some personal stuff going on. So it's just been a wild ride here. Welcome to Great Match Generator. I think we started off like the Voices of Wrestling flagship with a bunch of nonsense, honestly. But it's okay. But – but – we review great matches here on the randomly on the Great Match Generator podcast. I am my co-host Adam Yeri. What's up, y'all? Um, glad to be part of the show. Glad to be part of the network. Um, I've been wanting to do a podcast for a long time, specifically about older wrestling, specifically even more so about a smorgasbord of like everything, all encompassing. I want WWF, All Japan. Puerto Rico, you name it, Stampede, I'll I'll watch it all. Yes, and this is the perfect podcast to do it because we literally watch everything. <laughs> we literally do, and it's just been a wild ride. We watched fifty-eight matches between my co-hosts and myself. It's just fifty-eight matches is a lot, and then the ballots actually do for the greatest match ever project and. November, they do it every year. For they initially do it SummerSlam, but now they're doing it Survivor Series every year. And now, Greatest Wrestler Ever has been launched, and it's just been a one big happy family. Um, I actually haven't. They, I didn't know they do that every year. I'm now. I'm excited. Now I'm really excited. Hell yeah! Twenty twenty six is the Greatest Wrestler Ever um, okay. project. Um, that's the major one that they're doing over at Pro Wrestling Only and over at Discord. So, um, it's really cool. We have watch parties all the time on Saturdays, um, discussions about wrestlers. It's a really engaging community over there. I'm giving a plug out to Stephen Graham and everybody over there because it's a welcoming and engaging community over there at Greatest Wrestler Ever, Discord, and at Pro Wrestling Only. Um, and here is Great Match Generator, where we watch the great matches of these great wrestlers. Um, We're just going to list off the matches to start. I forgot, I forgot how to do this podcast because it's been such a while. Hey, I'm a rookie. I can't help you. No, you can't help me. So we have Bob Backlund versus Greg Valentine from WWF. 11-23-1981. Rick Rude versus Ricky Steamboat. 229-92. Misawa Kobashi versus Holy Demon Army of Toshiaki Kawada and Akira Tawe. And the first names are Mitsuhara Misawa and Kenta Kobashi, if you didn't know already. 
Um, I think you would know if you're listening to this podcast, but if you didn't, now you know. Um, All Japan Pro Wrestling 12-393, and then Vader versus Dan Hansen, a quite famous match from 2-10-1990, and we're going to start in date order, like we always do on Great Match Generator, with Bob Backlund versus Greg Valentine, and we said we would have takes for this one. And boy... This was just a match. It was... I... Okay, so I'll start with giving some background. When I texted you the other day and I was like, hey, how long is this match? For some reason, like, I just hadn't looked at it. I hadn't looked at the link you would give me. And I was, like, busy at work trying to schedule things out. And I had back of my mind that this would be, like, 60 minutes for some reason. And I was like, oh, fuck no. So at least it was short. At least it was a short match, regular regular match. It was just a match, but at least it was, it was an short. old bard match. Yeah. Um, so uh, I want your takes on Bob Backlund. Fiery white meat baby face. Yeah, but he's. Bland. Bland. And I don't think... I watched that match and all I could think is, oh my god, Valentine's great here. Like, I don't know how Backlund got away with, like, having matches with people that weren't Valentine's level. Like, I was watching just, like, Backlund's offense and his selling, and I was just like, ugh. Um, I will say, I mean, uh, the territory matches, you know, back in the territorial days, that crowd was hot. I mean, the crowd was hot on all the matches we watched, but that crowd was hot for Backlund. Yeah, MSG loved Backlund, and that's one of the things that, that, um, sort of, fueled what Backlund was and if there was background to this, um this match was from a disputed finish from last month's show where Backlund to where where Valentine Torter walked out as champion but not won the match so the championship was held up. Not officially, but but Valentine essentially walked out with the bell and they sort of had a feud based off of that. So there must be a winner. So it, so this made sense in terms of the the story that they were trying to tell. Yeah, I mean, because Backlund's offense is very aggressive. I really like Backlund's offense. He's very stiff. Yeah. Um. They yeah they got right into it. It was a real hot start, which. Yeah, was good. And I I kind of knew about the feud, but not exactly. Again, old WWF isn't really my like my go-to, but um yeah. It started off real hot. Um and Greg uh they like said Backlund comes out there and he's Molly Whopping Greg, um Greg's selling it really well really really well 
Um, yeah. They, um, so after the hot start, what did you think of the match? It slowed down a little bit, but um, the legwork sort of made sense for Backlund's submission. Yeah. The match made sense. It's not like the match didn't make sense. It's yeah, just, the psychology was there. It's like the psychology was there. It's just you didn't have it. Maybe because I didn't feel it at the time, and I don't have an emotional attachment to Bob Backlund. And I don't have an emotional attachment to Greg Valentine. I still thought this was a very good match. Yeah. So fundamentally, this is a very good match. This is fundamentally how to get heat, how to how to have a control period, how to do everything correctly. They they slow it down, and they get into that spot where um, Valentine just milks the shit out of this figure four spot. Oh, yeah. And it's just, it works. The crowd just stays hot through the whole thing. It, was, it worked so well. I mean, again, it's not, I don't need every match to be low-key versus Amazing Red or anything. So, or the match we watched. No, but, or, the, or the tag match we watched. Yeah. Uh, but I need uh, need a little bit more. To, so it was kind of like, I don't know. After a while in the figure four spot, I'm like, I get it. The crowd's hot. But like, all right, let's move on to the next thing. And then, but the, I mean, they still, they milked the hell out of that 10 count too. The, yeah. the double down. That, and I... That spot's just undefeated back in the territory days. You always get the crowd to do the one, two. Always worked back then. Yeah. It, it, they really milked the crowd for every second they had. And I thought it was the right amount of time, though. Um, it didn't go too long. That, so... Yeah, that was going to be, yeah, I meant to bring that up earlier when I was talking about it, you know, asking about the length. Like, I always prefer, if I watch, like, the old 80s matches, like the early 80s matches from certain territories, New York being one, like, I hate the idea of the long matches because I'm like, man, if these guys just went out there and did their thing for 15 to 20, it would be a great match. I don't need 60 minutes of it every time. Right. But these guys went out there for 15, 20 minutes and just milked the crowd for what it's worth. And probably could have been 10, but still, still, this was very good for what it was. I still give it four stars. I, I would have went, I think I would have went around. Okay, so I'm really bad about finishes. And I, yeah. I noticed... Okay, does it seem like the ref fast counted on the the finish? Yeah, you're a nitpicker about finishes. Yeah. And just the way the ref... I don't need, like, the Earl Hebner uh, WrestleMania. One, two, two. Yeah, I don't need that, but I also don't need... And so he hits them with the German. You don't need the Lucha. You don't yeah. need the Lucha. He hits them with the German. Bam, bam, bam. And I'm like, oh, you kind of killed it for me there, too. So I'd say I'd probably go three and a half. But I, it's think also, that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, but also, 
not my style. It's just not for me. Not for me, but I I, I to validate like what we will see in this style of match. Um, and I think the eighty four match is better, which we watched on here. I'll have, to, I'll have to watch that. Um, I I rated the eighty four match four and a half. Very so, similar style, but back one being a lot more fiery. Yeah, I haven't seen. I really haven't seen enough like prime Greg Valentine either. So that's something I hope I can get into soon. Him and Adrian Adonis are the ones that I need to like. Are just blind spots for me for some reason. Yeah, I, I understand. Greg Valentine's very good. Yeah. Um, Backlund's very good here too. It's just you know, Greg Valentine stood out a lot more as the. Yeah. But Vader Stanton, this oh. match. <laughs> Disgusting. This, okay, so this was officially the first match I watched for this podcast. Um, I had never watched it because, as I told you, and as I'll tell our audience, I am extremely squeamish about things, or I used to be at least. I'm not as bad now. And I always just thought, ew, dude, the guy's eye pops out. I don't need to see that. And... It honestly wasn't as bad as, like, me, like, when I would, like, read about it when I was, like, 15. Like, it wasn't that gory. It was still fucked up to see. Yeah, it was still fucked. I've never seen this match either. This was just King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually what Superstar Sweet said in the uh, greatest match ever um, forum. It, this was essentially that. Um, but it was a hot battle. Um, nothing more, nothing less. They just beat the ever-living shit out of each other. I mean, they get right into it. They get right into another hot start for our match, or for us this uh, on this episode. Um, they get right into it. I mean, they're pounding the fuck out of each other. I mean, Vader is just beating the shit out of Hanson to start off with. And, I mean, they don't stop either. And You. Hanson's got, like, this cell to him where it's like, yeah, Vader's punching the shit out of him. And, yeah, it's hurting him. But he's still, like, kind of has that, is that all you got feel to it? I was like, all right, hell yeah. And then, you know, Hanson starts fighting back. And, yeah. Oh. Stiff. And the eye pop out. <laughs> yeah. The eye, the eye pops out, like, six minutes in. They wrestle for another what, like, nine? Yeah, like it was like ten minutes or or something. Uh, Vader's jumping off the top rope with one eye. Like they keep going for like ten minutes. I was stunned. I just thought, like, I don't know. The match wasn't what I envisioned after all these years. It was actually so much better um, because it's just nonstop brawling. Like, and I I'm a huge fan of both of these guys. These guys. Everything I said about Backlund and Valentine, these guys are not blind spots for me. I, When I first got into buying DVDs, it was, let me get everything with Hanson 
and Brody. Uh, obviously, I was a big fan of Vader because, you know, just growing up watching WCW, how could you not be? Um, yeah. Oh, what an insane match. Uh, yeah. Oof. Oh, it could have been so much. I, I don't think it could have been more, but I feel like we were robbed. It, it, it was weird. It was a weird feeling. Yeah, it it felt like some of those like early 80s All Japan matches where too much shit happened and then it went quickly to the fuck finish and you were just like, only those, those matches didn't involve someone someone having their eye pop out. But yeah, it um it's just a great spectacle though. Like it's hard to really um rate it as a wrestling match. You know, like it's you can't compare it to Hammer versus Backland or whatever, you know. Um I went I went like four and a half on it, but I don't I don't know. I don't know. It was I weird four flat. Four flat. All right. I, I was four flat. I could see why you went four and a half. Honestly, I like I like a good spectacle. I like a match that feels just completely different. Like that's why I like. I don't know. Um, I probably liked Punk versus Darby more than most people. Well, I was there live. That's cheating. But like, I probably like that more than most people. Like, I don't remember what Meltzer rated it, but. It's just, it was a spectacle. The whole thing was a spectacle. It could have been a, a fucking two-star match. The crowd made it into something that, like, it was a special emotion. And just, you know, and this was a spectacle, too. Uh, I also didn't say, I don't know if you watched Gage versus Cardona. That was a spectacle. I was like, I don't, you can't really see this, but I fucking love it. Correct in that assumption, though. Um, there's nothing much more to say about this much. Yeah, I have a lot more to say about the next two. Yeah, because there's actual spots to go over. Yeah, then, but these two were treats. Yeah, first two. But Rick Rude versus Ricky Steamboat. Season two, episode one, Super Bra. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was so like I've heard people complain about it, and I've never had to like search for anything on Peacock. So like I've heard like I think you know like Rich and Joe on uh, the flagship, they'll talk about you know oh it's so dumb that we can't just name this Royal Rumble whatever year we have to name it season whatever episode whatever, and I. But I never really had to search for it. So then when I like searched for it, I was like, oh, well, yeah, it's. You can't search by match. Huh? And you can't search by match. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't know that either. Because any experience I've had on Peacock, I kind of just throw. I'll just like, oh, hey, I want to watch WCW. Uh, let me find a random show from 1989. And it was never a point where I was like, oh, I have to fast forward and figure out like, oh, shit, there's Rick Rude. Okay, stop, stop, uh, rewind, play. 
Yeah, luckily I have the commercial version of Peacock, which is a little better than having the commercial free version of Peacock because you could just because the commercials are right at the match points. Yeah. And it's actually a benefit of having the ad supported version of Peacock. Um but okay. but so, Rude gets nuclear heat pre-match feel. Yeah, my first note is Rick Rude. I like I don't think he's actually the goat, but like my first note here is Rick Rude equal sign goat heel. That man was so good. And I feel like somewhere along the lines, he kind of got lost in the shuffle of like the guys we call great. Like I feel like when you start listing like those heels from that era, he shouldn't be too far behind perfect, right? No, perfect's far more revered than rude, but, but it I, shouldn't be that far. It shouldn't be that far. Yeah, it shouldn't be like this giant gap between the two. No, I agree. Um there. Um we got the nuclear heat he got here. It was jarring almost. Yeah. Um, well, we're, I mean, since we're talking about him being one of the greatest heels ever, I don't know if you saw my tweet about Ricky Steamboat, but I was like, this man is like a generational bell to bell baby face. Like, I don't think you can name what, uh, Ricky Morton. Maybe Brian Danielson, Rey Mysterio, Brett. Like, those are the guys I would probably put up there with him as guys. Uh, yeah. Sami Zayn, when he was, like, at his peak at Generico, as Generico, would probably be up there. But, like, I'm just watching him. I'm like, this is the best fucking baby face I've ever seen in my life. Um, not that that's a secret to anyone, but, yeah. Um, all right, so... Yeah, get into the match. Like Steamboat, like Steamboat, like almost like knows like exactly what to do to get sympathy. Yeah, at all times. It's and it's like his facial expressions, the way he moves. It's just incredible. Um, and the, also, I don't want to talk too much about current shitty wrestling out gladly talk about how great some matches were from last night or whatever um, on Dynamite, but I thought about Ricky Steamboat if 2021 WWE had him and how he'd be like Bailey. They'd like have him a turned heel. He'd be like a cringe mid-card heel and you'd just be like, you know, he'd be out there cutting promos. You'd be like, you get it? Because he's a fucking dope. Yeah, boo. All right. I need to go generational baby face, but I digress. Um, but this match opens up with standard steamboat sequence. Um, it's so, I mean, they start off, um, steamboat just starts off, and Rick Root's so good at the beginning at just like working with. Steamboat. And it doesn't have like the feeling that like Flair always had with Steamboat, where it's like 
oh, these guys have worked together a million times. They're going to do. Oh, right. Yeah. It feels like super familiar. Like this just felt like a really good baby face versus a really good heel. Like not to say Ric Flair, what you know what I mean? Oh yeah. I know what you mean. Like sometimes with Flair's steamboat matches, you know, spot for spot, what's going to come, what's going to come. Yeah. Irish flip into the corner. Flair does flip over the top rope. It's yeah. Um, they, um, also, um, Jesse and JR were great here. That's one of my early notes, too. What, what are your thoughts on Jesse? Jesse was great. Huh? He was fantastic. I know some people. Playing the foil to JR. Yeah. I just know some people that don't like him or, like, I'll listen to, like, The Last Fan and they'll point out stuff where I'm like, damn, I never noticed, like, was he bad? I don't remember him being bad. But yeah, Jesse and JR were great here. Also, this is like the second show they worked together, so they didn't want to kill each other yet. No. Like, I think Jesse can be grating at times, but but um, so can Heenan. Yes. Compare. Yeah. Like, their best calls are comparable. Like, Rumble 92 for Heenan is like, Awesome. And then what is Jesse's best call? I don't even know. I mean, no, I don't think anyone has a as call. I don't think anyone has a call as good as Royal Rumble 92. No. Especially because it's an hour of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. And that's the only Royal Rumble match on this. (laughs) Is that on here? Yeah, it is. All right, I hadn't scrolled through the whole list yet, but I'm I'm excited for that one. I try to watch that every like January. Oh, I uh, watch it every January too, and I yeah. wasn't alive in 1992. But we'll get to it when we get to it. Um, the limb work is great. Um, and the limb work gave me my two highlights of the match. Rick Rude doing his little swivel thing, like the hip swivel thing. Oh, my God. And still selling. He did it twice. That's fucking incredible. Yes. I noticed that, too. I was like, bruh. (laughs) Um, There was also... um, not too long after, it was either, I think it was the second time where he sold after the swivel. He goes up to the top rope and hits this little chop. And Steamboat does this, like, drop-dead sell. And I was just like, I just, it was one of the best sells I've seen in a long time. It was really good. Steamboat just knows how to sell. It's just something that's ingrained in him. Um. Oh, we were talking about the announcing. Did you catch? They were talking about people's physiques, and Jr. just blurts out in 1992, so you know exactly why he's saying it. Yeah, well, there's no money in bodybuilding. O.J. Simpson. Yeah, Jr. said that. I I was cracking up because it's clearly yep. a shot at the W. 
Oh, I was cracking up. And JR ends up working he, there, what, a, a year later? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then my only other note about this, I'll let you get into whatever you've got. WCW was so bad at booking baby faces. You mean to tell me Ricky Steamboat spent all day around this ninja or whatever thing it was and didn't and realize didn't know it was Polly dangerously? No. Annoying human beings who's ever lived in both kayfabe and real life. He didn't know it was Paul fucking came in. So this ninja gets up and hits him with the cell phone. And they're like, who's that? God damn it. Everyone's stupid. The announcers are stupid. The baby face is stupid. I'm stupid for cheering for the baby face. This is all so stupid. That knocked it down like a quarter of a star. That yeah. That finish knocked it down a quarter of a star because this match was fantastic. But that whole finishing sequence where 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 they where Heyman just just decks Steamboat with the worst brick cell phone shot over the head you could ever see. Yep. Uh. <laughs> Good freaking god! And then the reveal set segment was even worse where yeah. they had the backstage interviewer and then it's like oh my god it's falling dangerously yeah i can't figure out who would have a giant fucking cell phone that would be helping rick rude yeah <sighs> um what did you give the match four and a quarter <laughs> four and a quarter i went four like I said, stickler on finishes. It was it was nearing four and a half, and I yeah. was... You stick a clean finish on it; it's four and a half for me. Yep. If you stick a clean finish on it, and this show was awesome. This also had the uh, very random Dustin Rhodes versus. This had three matches on this show that's on this list. Yeah. Um... I felt bad. I was kind of on the night I watched it. I had to go work my night job. Uh, not to get too inside baseball here, but I had to go work my night job. So I was kind of on a time crunch. So I load up Super Brawl 2. And I'm like, oh. The first thing you see is Liger Pillman. Yeah. And I'm like, I have to fast forward to this match right now. This blows. <laughs> Explodes, <laughs> but you got to watch possibly one of the greatest tags of all time. What a segue! Uh, Misawa Kobashi versus Kawada and Taue, real world tag league fi final match 12 3 1993. Did you see? Um, did you see any of my tweets as or after I watched this? I tried to not tweet too much. A little bit. You're like, holy mackerel. Yeah. Um, I was like all the stars. I was like all the stars. Yeah. Um, holy demon. Okay. Um, holy demon. I, I think Bucks have the longevity, 
the longevity and the resume because they got to work. We have so much more footage of them and so much more time. I say they're the greatest tag team of all time. Holy Demon Army, easily number two. Um, oh. So good. They're up an argument. Oh, my God. Why? Some people are like Midnight Express. Some people are like Maracarol. Holy you know, Demon Army is we have, we have really another. good, though. Really good argument case. Um, I mean, I always just revert back to, um, I think it was Case Lowe did an article for Voices of Wrestling about, I mean, he basically said the same thing as me. That it's the Bucks and Holy Demon Army. That's the ones you'd be arguing for as, like, guys with the most great matches that have been on top, that have, you know, at least to me, I mean, it, I don't know, it made sense to me. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, that case law article. Yeah, I forgot, I forgot that article you existed sometimes. And then, and then, and then people keep bringing it up, and like people are like, "Really, Young Bucks?" And then he's like, "Yeah, the Young Bucks are the greatest tag team of all time." Yeah, <laughs> read the article. Like his case is made, and it's quite well. Pardon the pun. His case is made, but um, get so uh, before I get us any more heat for my uh, love of the Young Bucks. Um, oh, I love the Young Bucks though. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I mean, I was at that steel cage match with the Lucha Bros. You're never going to get me to say a bad word about the Young Bucks. Um, so um, we'll get into the match, though. Um, you want to start? Kawada's freaking selling. Yeah. Can we just say Kawada sells like he knows he's on a mission? Yeah. All the smallest details are paid attention to. You say you say Ricky Steamboat's a great babyface. Kobashi's one of the greatest babyfaces of all time too. Kobashi Kobashi comes in here. The pop for him tagging in was insane. It was kind of like it was seeing that pop kind of gave me the feeling of like last night the Kenny uh, Danielson match where. There was the huge pop for the bell ringing and the lockup. I'm like, nothing happened, and this crowd is going insane. Literally a, a tag. <laughs> Kobashi's coming in, and the crowd is going nuts for this. Yep. The, and the crowd was so hot the whole time. I mean, yeah, there was a vibe, like a real buzz about that crowd for that this match. Let me see what this match was. It was probably in Budokan. That sounds right. By the way, I had never, um, I had never seen this match because by the time I got into '90s All Japan, like no, Zaki and Aichi. Oh, really? Um, by the time I had gotten into like '90s All Japan, I would be like, okay, um, I got it wrong. Got it wrong? Yeah, that was Champion Carnival. Go on. <laughs> um, so, 90s All Japan is such a great period of wrestling that when I first started, like, 
being online and trying to watch like as much 90s Japan as possible, it was just a daunting task. There's so many great All Japan matches that I never watched because I was like, oh, yeah, let me watch all the great All Japan matches. Like, oh, there's hundreds of them. Got it. <laughs> so, yeah, this was my first time seeing this one. I think this is better than the 95 match. Man, I'd have to I'd have to watch them both. That's tough. It's tough. It's tough. But this match is a little shorter. Yeah. The selling is the 95 match is phenomenal. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I have to watch that match again. It's 6995 is forever ingrained into my brain. Have you done that for this? Have you done that show for this? Or have you done that? No, match? I've done I, the only other match I've rated five stars for this. It's the Misawa Jumbo. Okay. I fully agree with you on that one for sure. Misawa Jumbo, Misawa Kawada, and then Okada Omega G1 from 2017. And then Minami Toyota, Toshio Yamada versus Dynamite Kansai and Mayumi Yosaki for two out of three falls, WWWA and AJW. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. I'll fully agree on those. Um, I actually, that was another, sorry to get kind of sidetracked off the match again. Um, I actually had never watched enough Joshi either, like mid-90s Joshi. And um, last year when the restaurant I worked at, or was working at, shut down i was just like oh i got all the time in the world i might as well fix every blind spot i can and uh i knew manami toyota was great and i knew not just her obviously but man um incredible absolutely incredible um uh, yeah back to the match this match is incredible <laughs> it just is all look, all of my notes have exclamation points next to them. That's like, all my notes too. It's like I just have one. I don't even remember what part of the match I wrote this for. It's just like these strikes, like because I think Masawa and Kawada were just like just hitting the hell out of each other. I'm like, well, fuck yeah, yeah. It's just what can we say about this match? Um, it has a 9.61 on cage match. Jesus. Um, I, there's so much I love about their house. It's in Budokan. Yes, I was right. <laughs> it was in Budokan. Okay. It, that's what I thought. Um, uh, just, there's so much stuff about their, they're like house style. I don't want to call it a, house style. Sounds bad, but I don't have a better. Just the the King's Road style of tag match where it's the I love the double submissions. Like where Kawada will have Kawada and Kobashi will be in the legal men, and Kawada put Kobashi in a hold, and then Tawei holds Masawa down with a hold or whatever. Um, I love how they pace their near falls and they they get the crowds to bite on every last one of them. But they don't have to do roll up 
one, two, counter one, two. Like they actually don't go too hard into the near falls for how they pace it. Oh, yeah, that that's something I noticed. It the, the pacing is something. Yeah, it's very good here. Um. Also, um, Masawa is a madman. He's a madman. Um, he like he's one of those guys that just watching him move. Um, natural, kind of, natural. Yeah, but he just moves different from everyone. Like. It kind of is the same feeling I get when I watch Kenny or um, Okada. No, like Prime Muta, where there's like this extra snap to how they move. Oh it's, yeah, yeah. I just even like running the ropes. There's like just this extra little something to it. It's hard for me to describe, but oh yeah, because that's probably the best way to describe it, how Kenny moves to how Masawa moves. It's like. We're growing again, so let's roll over this. But like the way they say move. Muto, just say Muto. I tried to I tried to say this by saying Muto. Just say Masawa kinda has that same movement as Muto. It's not quite but the they, same. all three of them. All three of them just yeah. move so fluently, but they have that extra snap to it. Yeah. Like you know, and it's you know, watch Muto do his little elbow drop or Watch Masawa take off to go do like a a tope suicida or watch Kenny do a V trigger. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, I'm getting us in trouble. I don't care. <laughs> am, am I okay? So I'm like super into like this current era of wrestling. So if we've got a bunch of laps that used to be better fans, I apologize. I uh, I love your era of wrestling too. I love all of this. I've been praising. What a match that happened! Valentine Backlund happened seven years before I was born, and I, you know, I praised it. And I uh, last night, I all I could think about, like when I was thinking about the best television matches of all time, I was like, I went back to when I was not even one years old. I started thinking about Flair Steamboat and Flair Funk, which, if we ever get into Flair Steamboat. Uh, or the Flair Funk matches. I have a hot take for this podcast. That's really well, Flair Funk is great. Oh, I quit. You said that I. No, I'm saying that is the Terry Funk match from December of 1989 is better than every Steamboat match that made tape. Oh. I don't think that's much of a hot take, but which I don't know. Uh, and some of those guys have told me they agree, but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I agree with it. Okay, good. I always thought it was like the super hot take because you never hear. I don't know. I guess there's like this luster to the funk feud that got lost at some point. I don't. I don't know. It's weird. There's much more wildness to the floor, but but we're talking about yes, sorry, King's Road. we're talking about Kings Road. <laughs> Kings Road is. You guys gotta forgive us. This is our first podcast together, so we're we're gonna go off topic a little bit here and there, just because we've never really uh, reviewed these before, like reviewed anything with each other before. I apologize. Um, no, don't apologize. We we did this often with Matt, me and Matt, and we're gonna talk about wrestler cases and stuff like that. It's it's Kobashi Danielson one two. 
for what, me for all time. Right. All time. Uh, last night I said Danielson passed Brett for me. I don't know if Danielson passed Kobashi, but if Danielson has another, if Danielson has another couple of years like that in him, holy Kobashi. Three years at AEW and New Japan. That man's gonna wrestle Ray Phoenix at some point. That man's gonna wrestle Hada. That man's gonna wrestle Abushi. That man's gonna wrestle Zack Saber Jr. That man's gonna wrestle. He's gonna have a tag match with the Young Bucks. He's going to. Yeah, he's going to eclipse Kobashi. But I have a soft spot for Kobashi because of the man, Kobashi. Yeah. But Danielson's a great man, though. Yeah. Both of them are great human beings. And I, uh, as we say this on the day of the the worst day to be a wrestling fan of the week in 2021, uh, Dark Side of the Ring Day, like, we need to really, especially after last week, really got to start looking at these great wrestlers that are actually great guys and giving them their flowers for it because seeing a lot of our heroes get exposed. And, yeah, it's not great. No. Um, no, and it's like, here's my take on Dark Side of the Ring. It's good that we're exposing these guys. It's good. But um, sometimes... Sometimes it's like it's good that we're exposing this, but sometimes it's best left unsaid. I don't know. I think some of it is, but I think like an episode like last week, it's not best left unsaid. It's not. Yeah, I think Heidi. Uh, I can't remember her last name. Um, I think her getting to tell her story is important. Yeah, um, it is. I think. Um, Oh, in a lot of those cases, it is. And I think Canyon's story tonight being told is important. Canyon, Canyon is it's best to tell it. Um, yeah. I don't mean, like, it's best to let leave on set just to, just to cover it up. I, I, I don't mean that in, like... It's, yeah, I know. It's just... It's just sometimes it's uncomfortable. To, yeah. It's hard to hear. Yeah. Um... Okay, before, yeah, okay, we gotta get way off Dark Side of the Ring. Um, oh, we gotta get out of Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, Kobashi misses a moonsault. <laughs> yeah, oof. Um, he misses a moonsault twice in this match. Yeah. Both times, I'm, I'm thinking Kobashi. Kobashi. You're, Kobashi's you're, big man. Yeah. It's like Kobashi, dude. It, in about five years, you're going to be thinking about this because your knees are fucked. Yeah. Well, more like 10. More like 10. Right, then. But, yeah. Um, the, I can't get over the crowd heat on this. Um, the closing sequence is so, just so great. Oh, my God. Um. Okay, so I'll give a warning um, going forward on this. I get real, I really struggle once a match is either four, three, four and three quarter or five. I went four and three quarters here. I went for full five. <laughs> I full five. I, man, it's just, I was a little too hesitant and, 
I don't know. I, I felt it. I, I just felt it. I just felt it. I was like, I was like, it was that leg selling. It was that leg selling. It was, my problem was, I guess, you know, basically I'm a giant fucking coward and I couldn't pull the trigger and say five stars. That's basically my problem. That was a five star match that I gave four and three quarters. But we're, if we're in a quarter of each other, we're not arguing. We're not arguing. No, we aren't arguing. Yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, what an incredible match. Um, oh, my God. Um, I love uh, Masawa's rolling elbow is, like, one of my favorite moves ever. Yeah. Um, you can see why I uh, ended up being a big fan of Brian Danielson. Um, there's a spot in there. Like, I don't understand. The crowd was so hot for every tag. Um, the crowd came unglued for a bunch of stuff. Like, that, the double Germans, um, which were, like, the most run-of-the-mill Germans you'll see in an all-Japan 90s match, but the crowd still comes unglued for it. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just a match. Absolutely insane. Uh, I should have given given this five. (laughs) Should have given this five. You know what? Fuck it. I give it five. I'll change it. Yeah, Meltzer gave it five at the then. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he did. Um, Yeah. I, uh... that Well, that was kind of like the thing I was talking about earlier with the All Japan matches, where it was like... When I was young and trying to get into like all the All Japan matches, I'd be like, oh, well, let me watch all the matches Dave gave four and a half to. Four and a half or more to. Oh, this is hundreds of matches. I'm never going to do this. Yeah. It, it's, sometimes it's daunting, but you're never going to watch every wrestling match. Yeah. But I mean, shit. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to be a part of this show, and uh, to try to watch as much stuff like this that I've missed. Um, I um, yeah, glad to be here. Um, glad to have watched that match because that was like the highlight of my day the other day. Um, yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually going to to randomize the. Uh... Uh, so what we got for next week? Rick Flair versus Terry Taylor. IWA Mid South. Um, that is three eighty five. Yeah, that's on the um, network. Yeah, because it's on the best of um, Mid South. Yeah, the best of Mid South DVD that I lost like ten years ago, and I still wish I had it. Um. It- it might be on the network. It might be. We'll find it. We'll find it. I know we'll find it. Eddie Kingston versus Chris Hero, IWA Mid South. There we go, Kingston, baby. September 29th, two thousand seven. Okay, I have seen that, and that's very good. If that's the one I'm thinking of, I'm pretty sure I've seen that one. That sounds right. The date. I think this might be the famous one from '91. The uh, Kikuchi, Crawford, Kobashi, Furnace match. Ooh, yes. 
one of the probably one of the one of if not the hottest crowd I've ever seen in a Japanese wrestling match, or in general. I shouldn't even I shouldn't even do the like uh, separated there. Like no, that's just oh, this is a prequel. This is the prequel to the classic. Oh, I've okay. I've never seen this. The this is a prequel to the classic, and then Rick Flair versus Barry Windham. Oh yeah. Championship Wrestling from Florida, February 14th, 1986. All right. Plugus Chug Chug. What? Well, shit, two straight weeks of Kobashi matches. I know you're a happy man. I'm a happy man. I, I love me some Kobashi. I'm happy, man, when I do this podcast because I get to watch great wrestling. That's, yeah. There's, uh, I think we said this when we were on the phone with each other the other day. Uh, There is nothing better in the world than wrestling when it's done right. Um, There's, it's just the fucking best. I know nothing's worse than it when it's bad. But it's just the best thing in the world when it's done right. Yeah. Uh, I fucking love wrestling. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so. So. Um, plugs. Plugs. Um, our Twitter, at Great Match Pod. Yes. My Twitter, at Adam N. Yuri. And, and my Twitter, at DJD Kooks. Yep. D-J-D-K-O-O-K-S. Not to sound Thank like that. Hey, we're throwing it out. <laughs> and that will do it for us until next week on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. For I'm Yuri. This is Danny Kukor. Thank you for listening. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc